Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. It's time for an episode of Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. Happy February, Rachel. I love February, the month of love. I don't know why. It just feels warmer in February to me. And Finn's birthday coming up. Quick. I know. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm also, I just want to preface this. My voice does sound like this. I'm getting over a cold and I apologize to our audience because it's just like, I always think of friends where it's like, this chick sounds good, like this low voice, but it doesn't sound good, guys. <laughs> it's the wind. It's dragging on winter, but we're already to the next month, the second month of the year already. A few reminders before we dive in. As always, email us info at gallerypodcast.com. Also follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcasts. You can shop our merch, shop.royallyobsessed.com. I've been wearing my sweatshirt a ton lately, by the way. It's so perfect. It's so cozy. I know. I know. Um, there's a lot. This is a dense episode. We have a lot to get through. So what let's like prep. I'm excited about it all. Like that's the problem. Oh, totally. I was like, I can't wait. Overview. Give us an um, overview. Okay, big top line things of what we're gonna be discussing. Reflecting on what would have marked the Queen's seventy-first year on the throne. Just quick pause for that. That's so I can't believe how fast time moves. We have finally an update on Kate's major under fives announcement, an RQL audit, a few coronation controversies. I can't wait to chat about this with you, Roberta, and so much more. Rachel, by the way, I want to say you sound great and you don't sound like you have a cold, so don't worry at all, but I am sorry that you're having to suffer through this. (laughs) I hope this is like a joyful time of the week. It is so joyful. It is so joyful, always. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Well, let's cheers. You should be cheersing with cough medicine. I'm going to cheers with a spiced mule. Did you make it? I did make it, and it is delicious. I love that you still do the Royal Refreshment. I mean, honestly, because it's great for colds. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so this is a spiced mule. It's spiced rum, bitters, ginger beer, and then some lime wedges. And I will say our spiced rum is from Turks when we went. We got it at Duty Free, and it goes so well with the ginger beer. That's like one of my favorite combinations. I don't think I'm going to do vodka in my mules anymore. I'm def- I don't have a, I don't so have a copper mug though. So I have this like boring Oh my God. Mug. I actually do have the co- copper mugs and I didn't dig them out, but I got my Queen Elizabeth mug. Oh, perfect. I feel like that was That's better. appropriate. That's better. Yeah. Um, it's a spiced mule though this week because we have some excite. Well, this is a rumor. Some exciting news that the Spice Girls might be performing for the coronation and that Posh Spice might join them. This is huge. It's a huge might, might, might. I feel like this was dropped by the Daily Mail, but this is so exciting to me. I saw them in 2008 in concert and I was trying to dig up those photos to share with you before this episode, but they're on 
uh, like very old laptop. I need to dig back, but it was a night of my life. Oh my gosh. Well, I should call this the spice up your life mule or something like that. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Uh, as the kids would say, big, if true, because it's all rumors for now. Um, Rachel, I wanted to ask since Valentine's day is coming up, have you made plans yet with Matt? I actually was giving Matt a very hard time about it just today. I was like, we're going to talk about it on the episode. and What are we doing? But I have a pitch to him, which is that I really want to go and see this new play at the Brooklyn Academy of Music with Rachel Brosnahan of Mrs. Maisel fame and my love, Oscar Isaac, who I have a huge what? crush on. So I know they're just down the street. I got to go get there. But that's what I thought would be a fun Valentine's What's the day. show called? It's called The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window. And it's about a couple. Ooh. A marriage. Seems perfect. Like marriage story. Ah, well. What are you guys doing? uh, We don't know either yet, but you know that I'm one of those people that will never go out to eat on Valentine's Day because it's so hard to get a good reservation. So we're planning to do something, I think, next week so that it's just like stress-free and like reservations are all available and whatever. And I think we'll try to go to either like a BYOB or somewhere cool in Philly. I have a few places in mind, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, Going out on Valentine's Day is like an amateur move, right? It doesn't really work out very well. Although it's very romantic. Well, and this year, Valentine's Day is right after the Super Bowl and the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. So it's it's this whole thing where like Dave is not going to want to go out that week. So we're doing something. We always do something on not that day because it's like discount candy and like all that stuff. So, but But I will say my favorite thing for Valentine's is to treat yourself. Yes. And to treat yourself with flowers and our friends at Farm Girl Flowers are actually offering our listeners a wonderful discount for 20% off your order site-wide. So if you need to send someone flowers or you just want to drop a hint to your loved one, your partner, your SO, whatever. Or send yourself flowers. Oh, yeah. Actually, definitely do that. Uh, The code is obsessed20, obsessed20 for 20% off your order. Uh, Just a few exclusions. The free shipping shop and the fun size burlap wrapped bouquet are not included, but 20% off. That's amazing. And it expires at the end of March. So you have tons of time if you need to send someone flowers and want 20% off. They actually have something for our royally obsessed listeners, the royal treatment bouquet, which is I'm going to send that to you, Roberta. (laughs) Don't you dare. I'll send it to you. (laughs) It's perfect. I'm so excited for this. So hopefully you guys use that code. And just so you know, Farm Girl Flowers, I love this. They source locally in the U.S. as well as Ecuador and Colombia. So just a side note. I also feel like they, the flowers arrive so fresh. Like I think you, you know, for trying different services, like they just, Farm Girl is always in a league of its own. I'm always very proud to choose that service. I've been in a few not real fights recently with Dave about carnations and mums. So if you're listening, this is your... Yes, Dave, this is your opportunity. (laughs) Said, we're spoon feeding it to you. Easy, 20% off. Okay, um, I want to jump to our listener email from Tiffany. We've been getting a lot of great listener email lately, which brightens our day, lifts our spirits. She reached out to share a few royally adjacent moments from her life recently that she said only Roros would appreciate, and she is a longtime Roro herself. She was on some recent work travels, one of which brought her to Los Angeles in December, and she happened to book a lunch totally serendipitously at a hotel that was located just a block from Immaculate Heart, where Megan went to high school. She writes, imagine the odds, and I managed to snap a quick pick as the Uber passed. That pick was so in focus, Roberta. I was really impressed to see the detail of your speeding by. 
Her friend that was with her thought it was a bit much, but she knew that we would understand her royal glee, and I would totally have done the same. I'm sure you would have, Roberta. She also traveled to India this month, and on a visit to the Taj Mahal, she had to find and snap a pic on the bench. She said as soon as she had the prized pic, she shared it with her partner, who, how wonderful, is learning to use Photoshop, and made her a special version with the one the only Princess Diana Photoshopped in. I feel like that is just incredible and such a gift, and I think that's amazing. She adds, thank you for the work that you do to bring levity and clarity to those of us who follow the royals. I look forward to sharing my Thursdays with you every week, except when she's visiting the Taj Mahal and her download comes in on Friday. LOL. I thought that was very funny. I All I can think about is um, Harry's Taj Mahal picture reference in Spare, where he was like, Megan was traveling to India, and I told her, do not take a photo on that bench, because mm. all it does is th- give the press like fodder to like post the side-by-sides of her and Diana. I thought oh, that was so really true. interesting. So, But the Photoshop job, I mean, that... I know. It was total really levity for my week. Have you done impressive. any royal redos in your life? I was thinking about this after reading. Like, have I posed where the royals have posed? And I think the only one was when I went to London. Um, I went to St. Paul's Cathedral, and that was very important to me to go and stand at the top of those steps where and visualize Diana walking in. I wasn't like at all mirroring her poses, but it felt you feel the gravity in those situations yeah. of where the royals have once stood. I mean, that's not as like impressive as that but i feel like all all over boston you could do some pretty yeah that's true that's very true and now this week in royal history so this Monday, February 6th, will mark 71 years since King George VI died in his sleep at Sandringham at age 56. He obviously, we all know this, had health issues post-World War II, which this was six years later that he passed away. But in that time, he developed lung cancer from his heavy, lifelong smoking, blood clots. He almost lost his left leg. He had an operation in 1949 to kind of stop that from happening from an amputation, but it was really serious. He had his left lung removed in September and he died five months later, very tragically. And we all know this part that Princess Elizabeth at 25 became queen. She was en route to Australia and New Zealand with Philip by way of Kenya. They were staying at the treetops lodge and watching all those animals go by in the night. And they made their way back to the Sagana lodge which is when Philip told her the news. So I wanted to play this little snippet from a National Geographic documentary. It's Michael Parker. It's a little hard to hear, so bear with me, but he's the private, it gets better. Um, He's the private secretary to Philip at the time. He explains that fateful moment, what that felt like, what the prince's reactions were, and then it's followed by the BBC announcement of the death. So here's that. We had a day to adjust and rest and do things. Prince Philip went, went to sleep in a, in a little room that was off to one side. The Queen was at a desk writing letters. The phone rang. My colleague said, uh, Mike, there's a ghastly rumor going around that the King has died. And he was sitting amongst all the press people there. And they were saying that they'd heard. So I said, well, Martin, that's frightening, but I cannot do a thing on a rumor like that. I mean, I just won't do anything. And he said, no, I'm not suggesting you should. Down went the phone. I saw a radio on the shelf above me. And there's a, a door open to where the queen is sitting. 
lecturer shut the door and switched on the radio and hunted about for the BBC. And then I could hear the bell of um, Big Ben. What's up with me, God? So my hair stood up a little bit more. This is London. It is with the greatest sorrow that we make the following announcement. At 10.45 today, February the 6th, 1952, that the king passed peacefully away in his sleep earlier this morning. My hair is standing up on end. I feel like I got chills just hearing the, the bell. And I think it reminds me, too, of, you know, a flashback to September 8th of last year and the coordination required around all of this. I mean, the bells start tolling. We know, you know, all the royals getting on flights to get there. We know from Spare how that really went down. And it just is, it's really eye-opening to hear that they really tried to protect her as well from the news breaking before, you know, anyone close to her could even let her know. The Queen. I think about the juxtaposition to where they were coming off the war and what an icon the King and the Queen during that decade were. So just how scary and fearful people must have felt when they heard that news. Yeah, definitely. In the difference between, you know, this time last year, because I think, you know, we saw for the queen to mark the passing of her dad, but also her 70th year on the throne. There were those photos and videos of her reading cards at Sandringham of people celebrating her platinum jubilee. We had that Candy the Corgi moment in the video, the queen cutting cake with a sword, using Philip's walking stick. We, you know, know now that she was in pretty ill health at that point, but um, she would still live another five months or so. Um, But also the huge, huge announcement that she, her wish and her intention was that Camilla become queen consort. And that was kind of, I looked back at our rundown and I feel like that was like the jaw dropping moment that we couldn't stop talking about. Um, Now Charles, you know, is not at Sandringham. That tradition of him, of the royal staying till February is kind of out the window. He's at Buckingham Palace, it seems like. But I'm curious to see how the royal family will mark this day on Monday. And we'll just have to pay close attention. I know. I wonder if it'll be super coordinated or if it'll just be a quick mention, but it is very significant. And I, again, I can't believe it's been a year since all of the Jubilee excitement was bubbling up. Really kicking up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. An honorable mention, too. We forgot Carol Middleton's birthday is January 31st and she turned 68. So happy birthday, Carol. Happy birthday, Carol. All right, Kate's big announcement at last, Roberta. We had a very, very splashy launch to the campaign this week. We It started off over the weekend with an open letter from Catherine about this new initiative that she's labeled Shaping Us. Then there was a big film screening at the BAFTA headquarters with William on her arm, a bunch of influencers. Then she was off to Leeds for a number of different appearances and occasions. So We've been talking about this for a long time. She's been working on it for a long time. We know that her goal, as evidenced by the last couple of days, is to really shift public opinion on the early years and help improve systemic support around this focus of kids' development, the priority of that we need to place on zero to five. I think that you and I, you know, we were talking a ton about this as we were questioning what the big announcement would look like and thinking back to when Kate launched for everything and and really kind of worked for about a year on her Hold Still project. Mm-hmm. And I do think that she is expert when it comes to these big reveal moments mm-hmm. at the synchronization, the um, 
I guess just the splashiness of it all. This mm-hmm. was really well done over the last few days. And I think it's still coming out. I mean, there's a new Instagram account that's launched called At Early Childhood that I'm following along. There's been a, there was a new video this morning. So I feel like it's it's a very much a release that's being rolled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like that. I, w- I do think, and I, um, I think I've heard this from a lot of critics as well, is that you know, her whole goal is awareness of the early years, but it feels like, and one of the, one of the articles I really liked was in the Huffington Post uh, from Natasha Hindi, but I feel like what we need more than awareness is action. Cause a lot of the problems that uh, this author of this article really points out, you know, there is a lot of awareness, but there's not a lot of action in this space. But like you said, it's systemic, but systemic requires sometimes political change, like laws and governments and all that coordination that the royals don't normally, they don't normally get that in the weeds about things. So it's it's interesting. I feel like on the one hand, you have like such a noble cause, but on the other, it's like, we really want to see more action. Well, but I think this is where I'm like, I think that this is not a super overnight fix. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to, you know, just to play devil's advocate for a second, because I'm definitely reading the backlash on this as well. And just that, you know, there's a lot of comments, even on their posts on Instagram, just being like, yes, we know, but what next? Mm-hmm. I think this is very much a long game. And the next step it, with Kate as an advocate and Ally on this cause yes, I know she's been working on it for a while, but the Center for Early Childhood opened last year. I feel like I'm hoping that we now start to see government involvement and people really stepping up and those being the things that roll out next for her. But I agree. I totally agree. We need action items next because the government support in the UK is not there. Yeah. I think um, one of the action items this person pointed out was closing the school attainment gap and that there's, uh, you know, there is a lot to be done in the quality of early education and childcare, accessible parks, safe, affordable housing in the UK and around the world. Do you feel like from your experience, because you have a, a kid who is in this age range, do you feel like the U.S. has a better system than it sounds like the U.K. has? No. no? Okay. So there's like... No, I feel like the gaps are huge and just the lack of support for moms in general, I think, is just something that is completely neglected. And it's like, especially you look at how moms suffered throughout the pandemic and everything. But I think taking it to Kate's big launch with the claymation video, I did watch that. And I feel like, you know, Finn is turning five on Monday and I can't help but see myself. And this is where the Royals just, I think, always hook me in, whether it's Megan, Kate, Diana, even, you know, some of the other causes of other Royals where the parenthood angle is just always where I feel the most connected to them. And so I'm excited for Kate with this. And I hope that this is the beginning of something that is if she needs to play the long game on it, but she gets that government support and is that face, I think it's really, really exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, I also so. was like, oh, the sh- shaping us, the shape of clay, like that kind of all plays into each other. The claymation really reminded me too of some of my favorite movies. Like I feel like The Nightmare Before mm-hmm. Christmas is claymation. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think that's claymation. Yes, I love that yeah, movie, so, Roberta. I know, that kind of pulls at the heartstrings. Oh the story gosh. of Layla. I was like, oh, how did of they come Layla. up with that name? I know, but I watched it being like, oh my gosh, is this is the story of Finn. Like when I saw that end with the blowing out the birthday candles, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what's the next, you know, what's my next phase of parenting? Now I pass now five, I need to work five. even harder. I know. It's, I do, it's I do to agree too that I think Kate's ability to kind of bring attention to this is unparalleled because I think about, you know, she has been wearing a lot of repeats lately and then she wears like two newish outfits and it's like Mm -hmm. one is a red McQueen power suit. Like how can you not just pause your Instagram scrolling and stop to look at? And so I do feel like that's when 
we love the fashion aspect of the royals because it really does bring attention to what they're doing. I feel like this this debacle, this controversy about whether it's borrowed from Megan, like, is wild to me because I also am like. I borrow my friend styles all the time and I ask them like, is it okay if I buy this exact same top as you? Like, I don't know. Is that, I don't think it's, I feel a, it's a little, it's a little intense for me. Like I think that, you know, there's been so many Royals have done that have done not just British Royals that have done the, the red power suit. I think that it's, it's, I just want to get away from just putting Megan and Kate side by side always. And I think that the red power suit, she did wear red when she launched Hold Still as well. When she did that book drop, she wore it for a number of things. It is interesting also to me that Camilla was with the Grenadier Guards this week and she was wearing a bright red as well, which was out of character for her. So I was like, is it red? What's going on with red with the Royals? But I, I Valentine's Day, they're little, getting ready for Valentine's yeah. Day. <laughs> they're just all month going to go with that. But I do feel a little like, I it it, it feels like a stretch sometimes, right? Like I I I get it. I get like I I think that the royal style evolved, and Megan did have a hand in that. But I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. But I guess people are attacking. And I don't think people. it's don't just know. a copycat move all the time. Like I I don't know. I think that it it rubs me the wrong way a little bit yeah, and I keep reading I, it's that. Style evolution so personal too. It's just something that like Kate's been wearing pantsuits for quite a while. It's just the anyway. comparisons always yeah, that I, exactly. I don't love. Um, but I did love the look. I did love seeing Giovanna Fletcher there. She's just someone she's because I always loved. Yes, she does the Happy Mom, Happy Baby podcast. I loved that appearance. I want all the royals to be on more podcasts. I think podcasts are so intimate. I love hearing their voice in my head. Anyways, all of this, I think I think it was a successful launch. I do want to see what comes next. I just also want to shout out to a friend of mine that has just been an Instagram fan, uh, an Instagram friend of mine for years. I want to say since around 2016 when I got married, her and I have just been in touch ever since my wedding. She had visions of a Brooklyn wedding. She lives in the UK and we've always stayed in touch. She works at the University of Leeds. And so oh, yesterday wow. she messaged me that thanks to the awesome security team at her work, she got a hookup and got like a front row seat to <gasps> seeing Kate. And she said that she is absolutely, as we all know, I think stunning in person. Roberta, you saw this firsthand when we were in Boston. I think that she just said the exhilaration how available she was while she was there and also she mentioned the lack of security around Kate's appearance no just that she was pretty accessible it wasn't like this really ironclad she wasn't saying it as a bad thing but she was just saying that people were able to get scary isn't it that there's not like a lot I think that it's just more that it wasn't it was um, there was there just not as visible Yeah. yeah okay that makes sense anyways exciting uh across the pond I just did also want to mention Archwell released their impact report did you see this Roberta where yeah the timing of this and shaping us is very interesting indeed a lot of impact to see they raised 13 million between 2020 and 2022 they've donated 3 million to be clear the rest is in reserve I feel like people were like where's the rest of the money people were freaking (laughs) out so they pocketed 10 million they pocketed it I saw things that were like it went to their outfits no 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 it's just this is smart and we've seen that with the Royal Foundation as well that this is basically you know it's smart for them to build that cushion and so they'll be able to use it for initiatives coming up their causes of course we know were vaccine equity they did a lot with the Afghanistan refugee resettlement online safety so much more 
And then, you know, I think that it's just kind of the visibility of what they've been able to do in such a short time is very exciting for Harry and Meghan and the team at Archwell, which we know is huge. Yeah, I liked this comment. Um, There was a comment on Instagram from one of our listeners that said, Listen, as much as their whole media blitz surrounding the Netflix series and the book release annoyed me, the Archwell Foundation is doing some amazing things, and I'm very proud and happy for them in that regard. <laughs> I'm so happy. It's so good for the world. Like, I, and I do feel like we're world. kind of sussed out a little bit, but it was like this impact report. It's like, okay, here's their focus moving forward. Here's what they're going to do. It's not all about complaining about the royal family. Like, let's get away from that, right? Well, and conversely, I feel the same way. This is what I wanted to talk about in this scope with seeing the Waleses and Kate launching this cause is that it's nice to just kind of be about the work because this is what the royals actually are designed to do, right? right. This is what this the monarchy, the benefit, they put like a face on these causes that matter. So I think that it's really great to see them, you know, for in Kate's case, and, and also with the Archwell Impact Report, this is about the work and that matters. Okay. And we also, I'm just tacking on that we're going to see Harry again soon coming up in March. And I think we should try and get tickets. This is at the Better Up Summit. They're selling tickets? So you can get a ticket for the conference for $950. Oh, and casual, while $950. Lot, casual, Perfect. but yeah, a lot of people are saying that's the cost to see Harry, but it's not the cost to just see Harry. You get access to all the workshops, everything that is part of this conference package. I think we should look into it. Do you listeners want to fundraise our t- <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I'll skip it, um, but we'll talk about it for sure. All right. Issa Rae's there? I mean, I know. That, no, I'm just kidding. Like hair, Yes, like that's amazing. There is a huge lineup of guests too. That That is really cool. Um, all right. And post spare. It's like the first post spare thing. That I think that's doing. what everyone's talking yeah. about, but I doubt he'll weave that in. He's. I think that they're putting the line under it like Omid suggested. Yeah. Okay, two quick coronation controversies. Join me in this coronation controversies corner as we discuss these two. (laughs) And really, I hate grouping the Sussexes with Prince Andrew because I feel like that's wrong. But these are kind of the two things bubbling up about the coronation. But they have nothing to do with each other and we're not putting them on the same level at all. Let's make that clear. So I think the first thing is that there's all this talk about whether the Sussexes will attend. Of course, it keeps going. We talked about this last week a little bit, but now there's a new article in the Mail on Sunday which exclusively reveals that Charles is going to tap Archbishop Justin Welby to broker a deal between Harry and Meghan and the royal family so that they can attend the coronation. One thing I just keep thinking of, and I think I mentioned this last week too, is that I feel like the Sussexes might not want to go. Maybe they just want to throw a birthday party for Archie instead and be done with it and not have to think about it. I think also Harry mentioned in one of his TV interviews for Spare that he needs accountability from Charles first. And so, you know, if they don't see that, they're not going to budge, it seems like. But Well, because, yeah, like what does a positive return look like in this situation? I just keep going back. Like you cannot fix what has happened in a few months' time. Like this is just – too intense and reading some of this coverage, if this is even true, like we know from when Omid came on that a lot of this is just conjecture by the media. Again, like this is all not necessarily what's going on, but there was something that mentioned how William is the one that's really on the fence about their attendance. And if they come, there needs to be really strict rules about their participation. But all of that just seems putting the cart before the horse. Like there's this is not enough time for a proper reconciliation. And on the one hand, I'm like, why can't Charles just pick up the phone himself? Like, be a big man, be a father, pick up the phone to your son, give him a call. And I keep thinking about the trailer for Succession season four. You Did you watch it? Oh, I watched the that trailer, trailer right after like, he hung up. And he's like, 
um, Logan Roy is like, no, I'll give them a text. That's it. And then um, Roman is just like, nope, we got to hear his voice. We got to hear his voice. And they're negotiating the phone call. And I just thought, that's what this is. That's what this is. Oh my it's gosh, like what a great comparison, you know what I mean? um, Yeah. Also, this is interesting though. Harry is the one who, there was reports that Harry suggested a mediator one time to Charles and Camilla like spit out her tea about it. And so it's like, okay, maybe they're taking his suggestions to heart you know but do you trust any of these stories so in spare he said you know it's really hard because charles and william aren't listening so yes that's why i I think that he is having trouble kind of getting through with his family and maybe a mediator is best what were you going to say rachel I was just going to say, but do you trust, like, that's where I'm having such a hard time as a royal watcher. I have it all the time, but I'm having it especially now where I'm just like, again, like all of these headlines, I just, there's no trust behind if this is actually happening, if this is fictional. Like Harry just did so much debunking of all of these claims that we believed for years and years. Which, which, what are you talking about is not true. What part? Well, just like the mediator. Like if that is something that like someone wrote and is like, you know, is that happening? Like, I want to believe that. And I agree that's the smart path, but it's like, it's just hard to to have faith in a lot of this press sometimes. So the other controversy is Andrew. And of course, like I mentioned, this is not on the same level at all, but there is now these bathtub pictures. So first we have this news that Galeen Maxwell says the picture of Andrew and Virginia Jufri is fake, which we now have the photographer who took the actual picture coming out and refuting that. He has pictures of the back of it as well that says it's like a Walgreens one-hour photo development, whatever. So there's proof that it's a real photo. It's not Photoshopped. Then Galeen's, The one with the arm around, right? Yes. Then Galeen's okay. siblings staged this bathtub picture, and it's it stayed from a long time ago. It was they were going to use it for her defense when she was actually on trial, uh, but it's now being printed in the Telegraph, and they want it as sort of a defense for Andrew. I guess Andrew's side is not aware of any of this. Supposedly, that's what the Telegraph said. But the Ghislaine Maxwell siblings really want this photo out there, which it's just weird. Two siblings sitting in a bathtub, pretending to be Andrew, wearing masks that look like Andrew and Virginia. And saying there's not enough room for anything to take place so that, therefore, her story is fake? I am just (laughs) appalled by this. Like, I feel like this is – it was – reading the number of words given to this photo in the Telegraph also was just so disturbing. And the fact that, like, if anything, to me, it proves that it could happen. Like, I feel like both those people yes! fit in the bathtub. So, like, you're pro- – like, this is why. I think this is why Charles is, like – Andrew, you do not need to dredge anything up. Do not say that you're going to, you know, revisit the settlement because every time it backfires in proving that what Virginia's saying is true or just making Andrew look bad in every sense. I think that with the story in the Telegraph with the photo accompaniment of the bathtub siblings, that's what I'm calling it, is saying that, um, you know, Virginia alleged that they like had some kind of foot thing at first that happened in the bathtub and then they moved into the bedroom and it's like okay this all feels so gross and icky and weird regardless like it's the foot fetish thing too reminded me of fergie getting her toes sucked oh gosh it's all just like why would you even bring this up it just makes you look bad and i think uh charles is hopefully you know 
advising his brother behind the scenes like this needs to stop like you're you're well yeah because the more visuals you add in general it's just like like this is gross but the telegraph and he's on he's benched he's benched for life benched you can't come back you can't you know and this is, might be why they're spotlighting Edward so much to get attention off of Andrew. But oh my gosh, Edward has Edward. been on the social media spotlight. And Sophie today had her own little video posted on at Royal Family on Instagram. I feel like they're really trying to bolster their images. It's like slim down, but hey, there's another brother in the wings. Like I don't know, but you, Roberta and I were on a call this week when one of those videos, promo videos, reels of of. Oh my gosh, why? Of one of those promo videos of Edward dropped. And it was just I, my excitement and sort of surprise at how produced it was. And Edward has not really ever been given that treatment. So, and they, they might have like warmed up the temperature so that he looks very, he looks better than normal. Let's just say, yes, that. yes. Like, Edward is- some of the filters and like there was a cool like music track. It was like, he's hip. Well, All right, he looks let's do this. Great, but he looks like okay. He looks um, improved. Yeah. They did a first ever. Earl of Wessex Award, an inaugural award, the Earl of Wessex Award, which he granted to a production company. But I thought this was interesting because I'm like, oh, no, does that mean that they're like really trying to move him away from the Duke of Edinburgh? Because the Duke of Edinburgh Award is also like this historic, well, is this historic award, I should say. And the Earl of Wessex Award, like they're really pigeonholing him into that title so that when they make the announcement that he's not the Duke of Edinburgh, if they do, that it won't be... I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm like really sad for I'm already sad for Edward if he doesn't get well, it. Well, I was reading more about why he might not get it and it has to do with how it gets passed down to his son and so maybe there's yeah. a workaround there where he can still receive the Duke of Edinburgh title but with some restrictions on how it transitions to the next person. So Right, like maybe it would it's not pass play. to his son James and instead go yes. to someone else in the family and I think that's smart. I really do because I do think Edward deserves that title and I I will be upset yeah. if he doesn't get it. All right, before we adjourn the royal pod or highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. I feel like this low is just kind of a combination of seeing Harry's greatest fears play out in the press, like what he describes in Spare. So we have a lot of accounts of people's words getting twisted by the British tabloids. There's Sergeant Major Bully, who, you know, their story in the mirror appeared where he was made to comment on a translated version of Spare. And, you know, he says his words were taken out of context. This is not what he said at all. He didn't say Harry's version was complete fantasy. And then Nelson Mandela's granddaughter came forward this week and was, she said, shocked and mortified that her words were twisted by a Murdoch-owned paper and that she applauds the work the royal couple does that is inspired by her grandfather. Because I guess after Live to Lead was aired on Netflix, the Sussexes docuseries, that um, that there were stories that she was really upset about it. And she said, no, that's not true at all. So I just feel like there's a lot of this going on. And Harry spoke to it in his book. So, yeah, it's a shame. Milo, have you seen this, Roberta, that close friends of Diana are auctioning off a new pack of correspondence where she really talks in detail in the letters about how desperate and ugly her divorce from Charles got, that it had her on her knees. She reveals how paranoid she was. She really brings words to that, that she thought all her phones were tapped. Oh, no. There's 32 letters. They're expected to fetch 90,000 pounds. And the family friends are donating that money to charities that Diana loved. But I think where it's my low, it just, it's great that the 
money will go to those charities and they talk about how it's like a burden to have these in their possession but it also feels off because in don't in giving these and auctioning them off the contents which are deeply private and personal are being revealed to the world so i feel misgivings about that oh i did not see that but that is not okay i feel like why is it a burden for them to keep the letters like why can't they just keep them private i know or burn them i don't know i mean i know that they're a piece of history (laughs) well i'm just saying if you don't want to have them if they like weigh on you i guess the you know it is good to raise money for a charity but it's like raising money tied in with diana's pain so it feels like it's just the contents of it that feels so personal and it's upsetting to have that i would think it would be like amplified it would be okay to just like keep this letter in your seat. I don't know. That just feels weird that they have to get Seems rid of bizarre, it. bizarre, right? I don't get why yeah. they would. Um, my high this week is is kind of random. I feel like it should be the Kate pantsuit, the red Kate pantsuit, but it's I like this that there's an Earthshot retreat for all the winners and that they were on this like five-day retreat at Windsor and William met with them and it was all kind of quiet. Like he didn't, they didn't make a huge deal out of this and I feel like that's kind of nice that he's working behind the scenes with the winners. This is the first time they've done that, even though the Earthshot Prize has been around two years now. And uh, the retreat, they connect them with Deloitte and all these venture capitalists and um, people to help them really get access to the funds and investments and tools they need for their projects to really succeed. Um, I think that was kind of a criticism of the Earthshot Awards was that you know, there's no follow up and then the winners aren't even flown into the ceremony. But here they are being flown to London and they get this time with William and a ton of other people one on one. So I I think that's really nice and something that. Yeah, I feel like the impact of that seems really yeah. huge. It also looked super cozy, which speaking of cozy, my high, Ina Garten in front of a roaring fire, spare in hand and commenting on how good it is. And I just feel like, is Ina a Roro? Can you send me this Instagram? I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, wait, I have to look it up. I have to look it up. It's going to take me a second, but it is absolutely just cozy. I think that we should invite her on the podcast is my decision. If Ina came on, she can come on. We can have a book club with her. Oh my God, I love it. Her caption, perfect rainy Saturday on the sofa reading Prince Harry's memoir spare. It's so good. What are you doing? Poor Ina, though, I will say it did start like an onslaught of people just like so much hate, but she went there and I'm glad that she did. I'm also about to start the audiobook, by the way, per your suggestion. <gasps> wow. Just to see this like fireplace setup for Ina. I know. Let's just talk about Ina's home for a second. Wow. All right. That's the cozy vibes that we're bringing to this chilly weekend. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. We love, love, love reading our five-star reviews, so please do that. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Until next week, God God save save the pod. pod! Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.